Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Monday morning. It is actually Monday, June 19th. And today is the second uh, the second time that we're going to celebrate Juneteenth here. A federal holiday in the United States signaling the absolute very end of slavery. Uh, and so for a lot of you that listen overseas and you've probably heard about this, or honestly, there's probably a lot of people in, people in the United States that have wondered about that, that that's what it is. And, um, it's now a federal holiday. So I hope you're all enjoying the, the three day weekend where we can spend time with family and, uh, but never forget the significance of these holidays that occur throughout the year, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, on today's show, we'll talk about Bell Tour 297, PFL 5, regular season 2023, and UFC Fight Night, uh, Vittori versus Cannoneer, which was like hashtag UFC Vegas 75. They call themselves so many things, it gets confusing. We're going to recap all three of these. We'll be right back to start the show. We'll go over the latest news as well. Gozy Gator. So, I guess we can go in order. Maybe PFL and Bellator have been at on the same night, so it really doesn't matter which way we'll go first. I think I'm going to go Bellator first, and then PFL because PFL had, you know, it's a regular season matchup, pretty much their last one of the year, and there's uh ramifications for the playoffs and it got really confusing on friday night so we'll we'll go second there and then we'll finish up with ufc at bellator you know i hailed this card as one of their best on paper that they put together in a while i really like the fact that Corey anderson versus phil davis was the third fight from the top it's called a featured bout you got chicago native Corey anderson and phil davis two guys that have fought at light heavyweight for a long time. They've both beaten some good fighters. Davis is actually a Bellator uh, light heavyweight champion, former champion, I should say. So I thought that was a great fight for them to put there. And uh, on the same timeline as the champ. We'll get to that in a second. Then they had Sergio Pettis, who's from Milwaukee, which is about an hour and a half away from Chicago. And he was going to come back from that serious knee injury and defend his title against... Patricio Frady, who was going for a historical third major title that's never been done before uh, in the UFC, Bellator, Strikeforce, Pride, any of those organizations. And so I thought, wow, that, that's a great co-main event. And uh, and then, of course, the main event was going to have Vadim Nenkov versus Yoel Romero. Um, a 46-year-old Yoel Romero, I get it, but still a dangerous Yoel Romero against Nemkov, who's honestly one of the best fighters on the roster for Bellator and maybe one of the greatest champions ever because uh, this is now his, 
They're calling it his fifth title defense, although technically, I believe it's his, it's his fourth um, because one of them was a no contest, so he retained the title. He didn't defend the title. Um, but still, far as impressive. So they had you know that on paper, along with Gokum Sarakam against Daniel James in the heavyweight division. You know, good for them. Here are the results, uh, the fights that matter. So there's a lot of steam behind Archie Colgan, who defeated Emmanuel Sanchez via unanimous decision. And then uh, Ramazan Kermagomadoff defeated Jaleel Willis. Godsey Ravdanamov, he defeated Pieter Bust. And then we get to the main card, Gokhan Sarakam defeated Daniel James. Um, Corey Anderson via split decision defeated Phil Davis. Sergio Pettis via unanimous decision not only beat Patricio Pitbull, he kind of dominated him. And then Vadim Nankov defended his belt. He won via unanimous decision against Yoel Romero. So my only complaint goes was it was a lot of decisions. That kind of sucked. But other than that, on paper, I liked the card. Some of the fights delivered, but it was it was a long night. It was a long weekend, really, when you think about it. I couldn't do everything live. And to top it all off, I went to uh, Dan Henderson's fight night at his gym. So, I mean, I'm MMA that's oozing out of my ears right now. But uh, going back and watching that card, it was a fun card. Uh, I can't blame Bellator. They th- Those were good fights that they put on paper. I kind of expected Corey Anderson and, and Phil Davis to, to look like that. I thought Phil hit him with some good shots at times, but Corey Anderson, I think, is just a little a little bit better. Uh, Nemkov, I thought, looked pretty damn amazing. He, he's tough. He had his moment, though, where he was on wobbly legs. He was. That's what kind of makes these uh, fights worth it, right, is you, you want that guy on the other side to have his moment that makes you think, okay, this guy is touchable. Yoel Romero, that would have been an incredible moment at his age to be able to do something like that. But uh, overall, I had fun. And then the Sergio Pettis fight, I mean, a lot of people counted Sergio out. They've been doing that his entire career. If you would have told me he won the fight, I would have said, okay, he's a good fighter. I get it. Maybe Pitbull bit off more than he could chew, no pun intended. But (laughs) <laughs> the way he did it was pretty amazing. You know, he he dominated Pitbull, and I don't really have an answer. I want to say, yeah, it was the weight cut. You know, it was just too much for the guy. But I thought he looked pretty damn good, dude. I, I just think Pitbull had a little bit of an off night, but not much. I just think Sergio Pettis was that that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're all going to wonder, even as far as the uh... – you know, how the weight cut go. And so was this pit bull off because of the weight cut? Did he lose power? Uh, was the speed not there? They said he was in a long camp. Actually, the camp started even from the last fight. So what was it, you know, or father time? Who knows? We we don't know the answers until we see him fight again. But he just looked like he was slow and he wasn't thinking clearly like he was late to the, to the dance. On every exchange, no, not every one of them. I mean, a couple of times he was trying to get some takedowns, and he did get some takedowns. Not much came from him. He cracked him a few times, but all those moments are just far and few in between. Um, 
As far as Anderson goes, you know, this happens with both him and Davis. They tend to go to a lot of decisions, especially Davis. But they're tough dudes, man. Um, and Corey Anderson, you know, he's minus this last fight against Nemkov. He's just kind of been a little bit of a beast. And so I liked him to – I liked him coming out of this fight, and I think he's done enough to sell me that they should fight a third time even though the first one was technically a no contest. Did, and, did you uh, see what he said in the in the press conference? No, I just heard in the in in the ring with McCarthy, but what did he say? He said that he was actually really messed up from that that last fight and like going into this one was like doubting himself like thinking do I am I washed up like is, mm. am I at that point? You see that comment, yeah. And, and you never you never really assume these things, you know, with these fighters that they're all they all put on such brave faces. But Corey Anderson's one of them dudes that like uh, he's not going to go out of his way to tell you what he's thinking, but he keeps it real. He'll, he'll let you know if you ask him. And I thought that was pretty interesting, man, because you look at this fight, and you look at a 46 year old Yoel Romero. You have to imagine things are, are going your way in this fight. But to have those kinds of doubts and be nervous about those things. For Corey Anderson, I mean, think about what his what the last two years have been like for him. He's been in a nonstop training camp. That had to have messed with him, dude. And and that that's like a not just getting the win is, is huge, but just like mentally getting over some challenges have got to be really big for him. Right. And you know, Anderson, I appreciated that comment. I did see you must have seen the headline or something on social media. I didn't see the post fight uh, press conference. But I did see him say that together with Sergio Pettis and him saying, I, I had a lack of confidence. I had anxiety as well, man. You can tell that's why they say the mental game is just as important, if not more important than the physical side. These two guys weren't right going in, you know, but imagine how they're feeling now, especially Pettis, who's now defended his belt two times and you just beat Pitbull Frady. That's amazing, you know. So mm -hmm. congrats to him. I think Anderson, I, I caught a little heat on social media because I said you know, somebody posted, I think Junkie posted that Nemkov wanted to move up and become a champ champ. Okay, look, I hear you. Fedor's done. So now there's no, you know, there's nothing having to do with, well, my teammates trying to, you know, capture that dream. Fedor's retired. So Nemkov can go up, and and Nemkov, for the most part, has cleaned out the division, but it still sits with me that even though the fight technically didn't get added to the records because it's a no contest, they fought. They threw blows. They, they got paid that night, you know? Someone didn't take home a win bonus, but they fought, you know? And an accidental headbutt, 14 minutes and 55 seconds, in is what stopped this fight. If they get to 15 minutes, um, you know, they would have gotten to the, the you go to the judges' scorecards. Uh, so I'll break it down for you. It was an accidental headbutt, therefore, the, the referee felt like it wasn't done on purpose and he can't disqualify him. So but because they haven't reached in a title fight the fourth round, they can't go to the judges' scorecards, and that's why it's a no contest. Mm -hmm. But this is a fight that was 1-1 going into the third. Um, Anderson takes over late and gets gets him down to the ground. Vicious ground and pound. 
really thump with him. Let's say they can make it out of the round with no headbutt. Round four would have started with Anderson up 2-1 and a lot of momentum and Nemkov damage. Now, again, Nemkov maybe comes back and wins. I don't know. But, you know, that that's why I keep ringing up. Like, it seems like you have a very suitable man, uh, fighter here, a worthy contender who you have history with. Let's do that first. Worry about Bader later because Bader has Linton Vassell up. The fight hasn't even been booked or made. So I think the soonest they're going to run that is sometime in September, maybe. And that's if I'm, that's if they book it today, I guess. Right. He wouldn't put the winner till probably later this year or more than likely early part of next year. I think right now the guy fought on the same card as you. You're on the same timeline. Get this fight done. And like I was telling goes yesterday, you know, Anderson's beaten Teixeira, Blahovich, Davis, and uh, Ryan Bader. That's four major belt holders. So he's not a chump, you know, and I think this would be good for both guys' career. Um, I think I think Nemkov should take this fight, honestly. I think it would be a great fight for the organization and for uh, both of these guys to finally settle it. Um, in the end, whoever the winner is, which if it's Nemkov, I think by the time this fight happens, they can go up and try and become a champ champ. Bader's getting up there in age as well. Who even knows what happens if Vassell beats Bader and it's a great fight? They might want to run that one back. I don't know. Bellator doesn't have the greatest depth. I understand that for sure. But uh, when you have something in front of you like that, I think you just jump on that. You know, you jump on that possibility and then worry about the worry about the rest later they might have some depth soon yeah right? they might yeah um there's you know at this event he was asked by our nolan king yo what's up with with you guys in pfl and he's yeah coker didn't shy away he goes there's something going on there he goes i'm not gonna shy away from it you know there's something going on maybe a partnership maybe we take him in as a partner maybe there's a buyout but he did say something key which was spoken about on spinning back click and that's that he uttered the words well no more like in 90 or 60 to 90 days almost sounding like a business transaction that has mm -hmm. taken place or is about to take place and then there's like an escrow period you know where then something becomes um, official and you're talking about Viacom owns Bellator now and PFL you know they got business with the U with the, uh, ESPN they're, um so these are probably big deals that need to to, to take place if, if it happens but it really does sound like goes was saying there might be some depth in one of the two places and we think that Bellator will get bought out like PFL and get moved over yeah um it's weird because he says taking on a partner which could mean a bunch of different things you know like you can still kind of merge, but keep them separate. Interchange fighters, you know, when you think about it, like how many fighters does PFL have where where you say, okay, maybe I'm sick of seeing Lance Palmer trying to win another tournament or Chris Wade or someone like that or Bubba Jenkins falls short again. But it doesn't mean I'm not interested in watching them fight. You know, you could maybe send them over to Bellator, however way they want to run that. But that's pretty interesting, you know, that that uh, it's a good 
core group of fighters. Now, granted, some of the the major ones that you want to see, like for me, George, I would have loved to see Rob Wilkinson come over and fight. You know, imagine uh, him and Nemkov, but we don't know where that's going to stand, right? Oh. Like, so I think it would be fun. I think it's a good merger, um, but there's just so many questions. They can do pay per view. Is there going to be a, a season? Is it going to be Grand Prix? How do you do it? You know, some, some Bellator, uh, obviously middleweight division. That that would be huge because that's something PFL doesn't have. But a lot of questions. He, and bantamweights. Uh, got his, our minds spinning. And bantamweights. And then if mm-hmm. you put the PFL featherweights together with the featherweights over at Bellator, the women's featherweights, you got something going. Plus, the UFC is going to cancel some contracts soon. Mm-hmm. So either those chicks can go down to 135 or they're going to be free agents and the only 145 game in town will be, we'll call them PFL a tour, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if they merge or if one buys the other one out. So there's, there's some good possibilities there. I think the, it might be the end of the regular season and the playoffs. When you have a roster like that, I don't know that you can just leave fighters out of that. Or maybe they can do, still do that, but also keep, an arena series going where it's just the road to the title. You fight contenders, you knock each other off and you get there. And while this regular season or grand prix is taking place, whoever the winner is at that point, they get ushered to the front of the line and they get the next title shot. Who knows? Cause Bellator, they have their champions in their grand prix, their actual title defenses too. Whereas with PFL, it's a fresh season every time, but Hey, right. How about the fact that Kayla and Cyborg could possibly lock up? That would be great. And then, you know, just having a new fresh matchups would be great. PFL adding bantamweight and middleweight, that would be great. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I I think it's going to happen, but we'll wait and see. It's not like deals haven't fallen out before. Let's get to PFL 5, 2023 regular season. Um, We had Larissa Pacheco defeating Amber Lee Rock. Ante Delizia defeated Maurice Green. Hannon Fajeda defeated Matthias Shuffle. Biagio Lee Walsh defeated Travell Miller. Aspen Ladd defeated Carolina Sobic. Dennis Goldsoft defeated Jorgen DeCastro. Marina Mocantina defeated Evelyn Martins, Marcelo Nunez defeated Danilo Marquez, Julia Budd defeated Martina Jindrova, Olina Kolasek defeated Yoko Higashi. And the list goes on and on. There's only two more, but anyway. Okay, so what happened here? The Basically, the women's featherweight and the men's heavyweight, everything got sorted out, and now we have We'll call them, I guess, your playoff seedings. Um, did you catch this fight card goes? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, all the main card had uh, stoppages, which was fun. There's mm-hmm. always a little drama here and there, too, when it when it comes to PFL. Yeah, and, you know, they did a good job of – they really watched the Aspen Lad olina Kolasic situation, and I'll get to that in just a second. But when Ante Deleja – got up to fight on one side it said if ante delizia doesn't win within the first two minutes and 50 seconds he's out of the playoffs why that's big is because he's a former champion 
So I liked knowing what the situation was. And on the other side, it said that uh, Maurice Green had to win. Um, and if he did, then he would advance, right? Mm-hmm. So I like that. Now, the Aston Ladd fight, she, she won with a few seconds left in round two. And they put it on social media. They said it on the broadcast. Aspen Ladd is in. And it was a pretty big moment because Aspen, we talked to her, you know, and she owned up to her loss against Colt Slick. And she knew that she had to come strong here and come out of the gate and go for it. And she did, and she won. But then by the time that Larissa Pacheco won, we found out Larissa was obviously in. But Alina Colslick, they panned to her, and she's happy, and she's ecstatic. And I'm trying to figure out, well, why is she in and not Aspen? And I couldn't, you know, I'm looking for the rules and seeing what's what. Couldn't find anything. I even reached out to some PFL people, and they still even kind of weren't sure. Well. I found out the answer. Here's what happened. Um, if you'll recall, there's a rule that says if goes is one and one, so that means he lost a fight, but he won one. But if he wins that the, the fight that he wins, if he, he wins it in the first round, he's got six points because he get three for the win and three for a first round bonus. It's, if it's a second round fight, a, a second round stoppage, then you only get two points. And if it's a third round stoppage, you get one point. So Ghost could get six points off two fights and go one and one by losing one and winning the other one in the first round. And if I go two and oh, but they're both decisions, then I get my three and three, no bonus points because I went to a decision. Me going two and oh, I would get pushed out of the playoffs. Ghost would win because they want to reward Ghost because he got the finish. They want to push for finishes. I get that. I love that. However, I still think there's a point where it's a little ridiculous that he's one and one and I'm two and oh. Like I I think the object, no matter what, even if it sucks, is you gotta win. So I wish they could tweak that. And I've said that for a few years. Now, in this case, it kind of applies. Aspen Ladd went one and one. She lost her first night, first fight, and she won her second fight in the first, in the second round. Five points. Um, Alina Kolesnik, she won two fights, 2-0. Two and oh. She went to a decision. Now, why isn't she getting six? Because she missed weight in the first one. So they deducted a point. So she wound up with five points, and so did Aspen Ladd. So why isn't the finisher going ahead of the de- decisioner, right? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Here's the answer. The answer is because oh, there is another tiebreaker that says head-to-head first, and in this case, Olina actually beat Aspen Ladd, and so that's where they goofed up that one, and that's why she's gone. So they had the same amount of points. Aspen was a finisher, and the other one was a decisionator, but she got the head-to-head. Now, I kind of like that, to be honest, because I like the one that went 2-0, you know, despite the weight, weight miss, I still think she gets the advantage, Um, but not in this case. Sorry. Going two and zero is important, but no, with with the fact that she missed weight, I could see that actually being in play, and um, I don't think she should. I don't think she should go. And here's the reason why: because on that night, she didn't make weight, so she had an advantage going in. And yeah, she may have lost twenty percent to Aston Ladd, but guess what? She won the fight, and that extra weight, or not having to lose weight, might have made a difference. And now she gets 
to fight in the playoffs and go for the one million dollars and she'll more than make up that money you know she goes all the way so that's why i kind of don't like it that is weird and i think correct me if i'm wrong but i thought you brought this up to race fo one time at extreme couture and he kind of like looked at you like yeah you're right we got to figure that out but um i mean in a way that's kind of what makes pfl exciting but in another way like it can kind of make it a mess at times too Missing weight is huge, though, man. I, I know there's no way around it. It's just it's such a big part of what actually is taking place that uh, it, it's just it's terrible. Yeah, it had this feeling goes of uh, English Premier League where everyone's scoreboard watching or you're looking at your phones because other stuff's going on and it's going to determine the fate of who wins the league, who makes it to Champions League. Who makes it to Europa League? Who gets relegated to the second division? It makes it really, really exciting. So I get that aspect of it, but the tiebreakers, I think, just need to be adjusted. In in no world in the NFL, there's no way that a team that has more wins than a team than another team doesn't go to the playoffs. It should only be a tiebreaker if you have the equal amount of wins, mm-hmm. you know. And I do like the head-to-head, but I don't like the head-to-head when it involves someone that missed weight. So, you know, look, this is on them. The fighters knew what they signed up for. All their tiebreakers are right there. I think from year to year, the PFL could maybe examine them and take a look, right. take take input, I guess. But the decision's made. Nothing's changing. You know, all we can do is talk about it. Here are the four heavyweights advancing. Dennis Goldsoff with t- 12 points. Hannah Fajeda with nine, Marcelo Nunez with six, Jordan Heaterman with six. Here's who doesn't go. Maurice Green, who finished with five, um, Danilo Marquez, who finished with three, and Matthias Scheffel, who finished with three, Ante Delizia, he doesn't go either, he finished with three, and Jorgen DeCastro. Uh, not that he's a big name, but he's a former UFC veteran. He ain't going either. Mm-hmm. In the women's uh, featherweight division, it's Larissa Pacheco with nine, Marina Mok uh, Natina, Mok Natina, no, Mok Natkina with eight, Amber Lee Rock, she still goes with six, Olina Kolesnik, she goes with five. Not going goes are Aspen Lad and Julia Budd, two big names that the PFL signed as free agents. I mean, that's uh. That stuff's happened though, right? Like we've seen fighters come over and just not either adapt well or or take it for granted, you know, and, and think this is gonna be the easy way out. It doesn't always work out that way. And 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 the question is like, what does that do for your organization, right? Because in a way, doesn't it validate like some of the, the competition that's there waiting for you? It does, except the PFL hasn't established those names. So, you know, like nobody's saying that's what's up. Like there's not enough PFL support to say that's what's up. Told you if you came over here, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because Lee Rock is going to send your girl packing. No, nobody knows who Lee Rock is. So yeah. they, there's usually like this thing where a veteran can put someone over. It kind of happened a little bit with Pettis and Clay Collard. It helped that Clay Collard also beat Jeremy Stevens. Now we know who Clay Collard is. 
he's been put over. But that said, this is the third tier promotion, you know, to, that we even get to. We spend most of our time in the UFC, then Bellator, and PFL. And PFL, I've said it, it's closing in on Bellator. Maybe they'll be number two. Maybe for some people they are number two. I don't know. But by the time we get to them, there's just not this effort to memorize who they got or what they got. We just care about the names. Lad, Bud, we know who they are. But now they're not in the playoffs. Is this going to work out for them? I don't know. But that's why Larissa Pacheco is a big name because she finally beat Kayla Harrison. And now she's going out there and kind of doing her thing in a different weight class. But you, you got to beat someone who's a name and then you become a name. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So those are the two fights that happened on Friday. And goes to be fair, before I turn the page on Saturday, just tell us real quick how's Hendo's fight night on Friday night? You were there. It was fun. Um, he does a good job of like making the whole night an event. So, you know, there's good food there. It's a small venue, but it's two stories. And uh, just the, the the matchmaking, like the people that are involved, the coaches that come out, we had a blast. And we had a lot of, uh, dude, you know, I didn't even tell you this story, but I probably have some apologies to put out there. I was a fool. I was up on the second story leaning over the rail. Mm-hmm. When it was national anthem time, they brought in this dude, a country music guy. And he's playing with the guitar, whatever, and people are, have their hands over their hearts. And Hendo's in the cage, and he's looking, like, right at me. And I'm thinking, well, maybe am I, is he going, like, how'd this fool get into the VIP or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was with Don from Ranchos. You guys know him as Doncho, former caller of the show. And he kind of points down. So I'm looking down at, like, Maybe there's a fighter or something, you know? I'm like, what is he talking about? But I'm concentrated because it's the national anthem. So I'm like, well, I'll get to that later. But Dan will not stop staring at me. And you know that dumb face? Of, like, I, I kind of did one of those, and then I went like <laughs> that. Dude, come to realize, underneath the railing is where the flag was. And that's why he was looking that direction. Mm. There were a couple, there were quite a few people looking in that direction, but uh yeah you were was, right over the flag i was right dead center so i'm here well, everyone was staring at you I, well, I thought they were staring at me i didn't realize because like who i don't know do you know very many gyms that have the american flag up like you just would, wouldn't really think that mm-hmm. and um yes i gotta tell dan i'm sorry about that but other than that dude we stuffed our faces there were some good fights some some nasty ko's some good submissions it was fun it's totally worth it yeah, um, got to remove your hat if you have one. Yeah, and you got to face the flag. And yeah, I guess if you were right above the flag, then you were caught in a pickle. Oh, yep. uh, go ahead. Ashley Yoder was pouring drinks. I don't know how she did that. She was literally there for about five hours straight, like taking no breaks or nothing. But she does pour a strong drink, she doesn't mess around. Um, I was going to say, when I went to, or when we went to um, Cage Warriors, that's right, 
I was going to tell the guy next to me to take off his hat, but he was a big dude. And because I had Bell's palsy and it was loud at that point, I wasn't even sure if he would know. I could be saying, take off that hat, who? Or, hey, kindly take off your hat. You know, like, I, I wasn't sure if all that would even get across. Wasn't but, his uh, girlfriend the one singing the national anthem? No, the, that was a different couple. The, this was the couple next to them. Uh, and they had been drinking and all that. But um, it just wasn't loud. And I know that I probably wouldn't have been, I, I wouldn't have been understood. But yeah, you, yeah, folks, take off your hats for sure. Put your hand over your heart. And it's not that hard. But anyway, I'm glad you had a good time. And glasses so, or just hat? Just just hat. Gla- hats and glasses if you're riding Big Thunder at Disneyland. Because this here is the wildest ride in the West, right? Something like that. Yeah. Hang on to your hats and glasses, folks. Because this ride here is the wildest ride either in the wilderness or the West or something. I don't know. Um. All right. So we get to UFC. This is how that went down. Modestus Bukakis defeated Zach Palga. By the way, that was controversial. A lot of people had Zach Palga winning. Ronnie Lawrence and Daniel Argeta ended in a no contest. Uh, referee Keith Peterson stopped it. He thought he saw a submission. Upon looking at the tape, he was wrong. And he admitted it. So what can you do? Teresa Bleda defeated Gabriela Hernandez. Uh, Carlos Hernandez defeated Denise Bondor. Kyung Ho Kang defeated Christian Quinones. Alessandro Costa defeated Jimmy Flick. Nicholas Dalby defeated Muslim Salikov. Manuel Torres defeated Nicholas Mota. Pat Zavatini defeated Lucas Almeida. Armin Petrosian defeated Christian Leroy Duncan. Armin Sarukian defeated Joaquin Silva. Jared Cannonier defeated Marvin Vittori. Look, I know this didn't have a lot of recognizable names, but it was actually a pretty fun event. I really enjoyed it. The performance of the night, 50,000 to Costa, 50,000 to Torres. Cannonier Vittori got fight of the night. Goes, what were your thoughts? I thought it was an okay card. It was fun. That main event, though, dude, holy shit. Every every punch was like a power punch was to end the night. And... uh you know, early on, I was thinking I had picked Cannoneer, but I thought, boy, am I wrong when Marvin Vittori landed that big shot early on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes to show you, uh, you know, these fights can just change at any second. But that was about all Marvin had for him as far as uh, possibly threatening to win the fight. There was a moment where I thought they got pretty damn close where they could have stopped it early in the fight. It was round two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad they let it go. And uh, it was it was it was a good fight. You know, I, I I was tweeting that this could be a Hall of Fame fight, and the reason is because both guys hurt each other really bad. Even though Vittori lost four rounds to one, three rounds to two, or something like that, he held his own and he hurt Cannoneer, especially early. And both guys just when I thought, oh, they're not going to be the same coming out of round two, round three, round four. They'd come out fresh, so they had an incredible recovery, ability to recover, and they were just throwing. They are going for it. It was incredible. They hit each other with a lot of strikes. They recovered well. They both had power. 
I really, really, truly enjoyed it. And of course, I got a lot of heat. Come on, man. Hall of Fame, you know. It's like for them, I think they need for it to be a split decision or something. And I don't necessarily think so. Like Bonner versus uh, Horace, that was only three rounds. Um, That was a unanimous decision. But it was close. But that's in the Hall of Fame, right? Hughes versus Trigg, you know, that's very similar to, like, this one in the sense where one guy almost hurt the other guy and almost finished him, and then the other guy came back. Now, Hughes finished Trigg. You know, that fight didn't last so long, but that one's in the Hall of Fame. Coy and uh, Cub Swanson are in the Hall of Fame. Three rounds. They didn't go five, but they went back and forth. Um, Mark Coleman versus Pete Williams. That was the that head kick And too much. I think that one had more to do with just someone beat Mark Coleman, really. Yeah. But was it great? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great, but still, it's historical. I get it. But, man, I really give it up. Even though Vittori, again, lost three rounds to two, four rounds to one or whatever, I still thought it was very entertaining. And just what they did, man, was incredible. Neither guy was really breathing that hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of those I, I didn't get too much. But I think the the main component you need is you got to have a little back and forth. This fight did have that. Maybe it needed a little bit more because once uh, Cannoneer kind of got over that hill, there was no looking back. What Vittori was was just really tough. You know, he just wouldn't go away. And sometimes, too, like even the narrative, like a little bit that that sometimes the commentators provide is just if you guys don't know much about Marvin Vittori, he he's Italian. And he comes from this uh, smaller village where there's, they've shown it before, where people just stay up and they watch the fight and they're just really into it. And you, you're always kind of hanging on like what that would be like, you know, if he could come back and, and just how crazy that little town would probably go. But uh, it was close. I mean, it was, a, it was a good fight. I don't know if I'd have it Hall of Fame, but it was it was up there. Yeah, it definitely was. I really liked it. Um. What are you going to do? So Cannoneer says he's happy to be the backup fighter or fight one more and then get another shot at Izzy. But guess what? He got Izzy's attention. He's 39 years old, so he doesn't have too much time to mess around. If Duplessis beats Whitaker, Duplessis will fight Israel Adesanya. If Whitaker beats Duplessis, are they going to do that one a third time before they do Cannoneer and Izzy a second time? See, I don't know about that one. But I thought Cannoneer showed, man, like I got high output, great cardio. I can take a punch. I can give a punch. You know, I think he earned his his second shot against Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya even tweeted after the fight. Like all he said was, bro, but you could tell he was impressed. Yeah. I mean, overall, it was was a good performance. But you're right. There's just so many different scenarios. I mean, this. This fucking duplex C fight with uh, Robert Whitaker. I just don't get it, dude. I really, I really don't. Every time I think about it, I get upset. But uh, we'll see how it all shakes up. But I, would, I wouldn't I would hate Jared Cannonier ever getting a second shot, especially you have to understand like how tough Marvin Vittori is. For right. him to kind of buzz through him the way he did. Um, you could even say Marvin maybe lost a step or something. I don't care. He's still super tough. Yeah. I agree, man. And he shows some power. He almost—he's always a volume guy, a decision guy. 
but he almost actually finished Cannoneer in round one. And then I think in round three, King Stormin back as well. And, you know, so it kind of did go a little bit back and forth, but those moments were a little bit more far and few in between compared to Cannoneer, who was just pretty much putting on a clinic at times. But what are you going to do? Uh, Sarukian looked really, really good. He says he wants Chandler next with McGregor still not an active fighter that can be booked. You know, I'm kind of open this, to this. I just don't know if Chandler would be because it's a lot to lose and not enough to gain, I think. But, you know, Gaethje did it with Fiziev, so I don't know if Chandler would give him an opportunity. It just, uh, with Michael Chandler's name being attached to, to Conor McGregor for so long and a whole show being built around that, it would just feel like a letdown. And it's nothing against Sarukian because he's a talented fighter and it was a good performance. It's just, it would feel like a letdown. You know, the, his, Michael Chandler's name needs to be attached to the the creme de la creme of that division. But at the same time, what are you going to do with the guy? Like, how long is he going to sit around and, and not just wait for Connor to get back into the USADA pool, but just how about the legal troubles, all that other stuff? Like, I know it's a huge payday, but eventually you got to make something right and uh and you risk not getting that Connor fight by taking something because what if you lose so it's a really interesting situation but i kind of like the benil Darius route for uh, i like that that was also part of the call out um but i actually kind of like it too for michael chandler as well so i don't know you know it's been two years and he's still not in the usada pool you got to figure the leg is an issue it must not have healed right, or the PEDs that he was probably on, he just does not want to get off them for some reason. That those can be addicting as well. And then put that together with all the outside of the cage antics of McGregor. You know, mm-hmm. he he he. As soon as he can fight him in six months from today, it just doesn't bode well. You know, I think Chandler should move on. Honestly. I think so too. And you might even be able to make not a bigger statement, but a pretty big statement by just saying that. Like, I'm over you, fool. Like, I'm I'm moving on to bigger things. I am a fighter. Fighting is what I do. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we got the results. We got the bonuses. Uh Petrosian and Duncan was really, really fun to watch. Sabatini was a beast. Torres' elbow was pretty vicious. Um Alessandro Costa, keep an eye on him, man. He is going to be a problem for fighters at 125 pounds. Kyung mm-hmm. Okang did great, uh, quick work in his fight. He's a man weight. So, you know, lots lots was to gain from this fight card. Again, on paper, didn't look good, and uh, but it delivered. Bellator, on paper, it looked good. It didn't deliver. So that can happen. You know, it wasn't but, so bad, it, but you're right. It, probably not to the level that we wanted. It was a long night, man. I went back and forth <laughs> between them and PFL, and two fights that go 25 minutes, you know, that's a long time. But what are you going to do? Um, as far as other news, John Jones and Francis Ngannou, they saw each other down in Atlanta. Jones was there at Corner Green, uh, Ngannou now part of the PFL. He was there Enjoy the festivities, and they did come across each other and kind of had a face off and shared some words. But, um, 
as we all know, as of right now, it just, it's just not a possibility, you know. However, the faceoff was nice, and I'm hoping that this creates some sort of a buzz so that the UFC kind of rethinks things in terms of promoting outside the uh, UFC, you know, platform. Which at this point, that's where Francis is. He's already outside. Of, he's already outside the UFC. It's too late mm-hmm. to bring him back. But I, I man, I really want to see this fight. Who do you see in my eyes? Francis and Gunn is the baddest man on the planet. It's up to John Jones to take that away from him. Now he can keep. He can do that without fighting him, but he's got to have more fights at heavyweight. You know, and he's probably got to make them look as impressive as he did with Surreal Gone. Francis Ngannou, if you don't fight, man, people, I wouldn't say they'd forget about you, but you just you get talked about less and less and you start to kind of fade a little bit. But yeah. uh, but in this uh, particular sequence, I just like everything Francis Ngannou does. I like the way he answers questions. I, I love the way how uh, you got John Jones and he's got that kind of cocky attitude. And he just got sort of just put down. Like, I, I don't know. Like, oh, I, I think I said this on Spinning Backlick, but like a dog when, when they're yipping and yapping and the next thing you know, you kind of give them a treat or something, rub their belly, and all of a sudden they're they're just chill. He did that to John Jones. <laughs> you know, at the end he was like, yeah, yeah, you make a good point, and they just kind of hug. John Jones, if you're the baddest man on the planet, you chase nobody. People chase you. And so he can't get too wrapped up in and chasing Francis Ngannou. I think the, the strategy here, if I'm John Jones, is stop talking about him. You know, I am in the UFC. I am the heavyweight champion. I don't need to worry about him. I think that's what I would do. But honestly, none of this comes down to who is the baddest man on the planet. It really comes down to paydays. That's what John Jones wants. That's what Francis Ngannou want. Uh, but if I'm John Jones, I kind of take my foot off the gas, focus on what I have, where I'm at, and just let the rest do the talking. Yeah. there's It's out of their control. And both guys have to fight someone else first. And then maybe they can, you know, have a meeting of the minds, I guess. Um, and that's even that's a long shot. I realize that. I would say next for Jones is either they make the Miocic fight, or I guess he fights Pavlovich. Um I know there's the whole Fury possibility, but it really sounds like Fury doesn't want a cage cage fight. So I don't think he would, unless the money was so stupid. He might look at what James Tony did and say, well, I can get taken down and just get beat up for $50 million. But mm-hmm. I don't think the would do that, because if they did, they might as well have paid Francis Ngannou. It's going to have to cost a lot of money to get Tyson Fury in there, because Tyson Fury is an acclaimed prize fighter, a boxer, that's where he wants to do it, you know. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, at this moment, don't get excited about it because Ngannou is going to box and then fight MMA in 2024. And like I say, Jones either has Miocic, Pavlovich, or Fury ahead of him. And then I think that's when they can revisit, you know, the possibility of promotion between two uh, entities, luckily both on ESPN, so maybe not the most difficult task of all time, but still not a highly like one. Uh, Yeah, not a likely candidate, that's for sure. Um, Well, if you lock it on on MMA Junkie, you can see the video of this 
along with some updated videos regarding the Conor McGregor case. I don't want to talk about McGregor anymore other than just tell people, as you all know, uh, a young woman accused him of sexual assault. There's plenty of video evidence to support that it it doesn't look like there's um, much, I guess, the, 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 they're, they're more cordial than what you might imagine an interaction would be between someone who allegedly assaults somebody, you know. And they did go into a bathroom. I did see that. But to me, it just seemed like they probably wanted to do something else in the bathroom other than what is being accused of. And if you watch enough TV shows and movies, I think you see what does happen in bathrooms. And you don't want to do that in public, right? To me, it seems like that was what happened because the TMZ footage that I saw was supposedly them after this alleged assault. Well, if you are accusing somebody of rape, you know, more than likely you're not out partying for an hour with the same person afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why all this is starting to get fishy to me. But I think I'd rather just wait for the case to come out, the police report to come out, and then we'll just react to that because I'm sick of it. The mascot and all these problems he's into. I I'm more just disappointed in Conor McGregor that he is just like the worst when it comes to partying. He's so naive, man. I mean, there's cameras everywhere, you know, and he's a superstar and they're recording his every move, you know, his, all of his comments, why he's making these foolish decisions. And I'll even say this goes, let's just say him and his fiance, who's pregnant with his fourth, fourth child. Let's just say they have an open relationship. And I can't even say, bro, you're embarrassing your fiance. All right, let's just leave that to the side. You got kids that are one day going to see you acting the way you're acting. Um, You know, like, think about that. Like, I don't know, because it's, it's just so frustrating to see him piss away the wonderful life that he kind of created um, and kind of put a black cloud over the people that support him, his family, you know, that want to be proud of them, not have to answer to these types of, you know, questions or, or you know, whatever. I mean, this is just a terrible look. You shouldn't be in those situations. That's the thing. And there's a history that shows why. You know, this isn't his first incident, and I'm, uh, I'm not just alluding to this type of stuff. I'm just saying overall, like, alcohol seems to be a problem with him you know um he was just in monaco now he's at the nba finals like how about we want to see him in a gym that's the thing you know anytime he's in these situations just trouble happens and it's not just a conor mcgregor thing it's a lot of it's a celebrity thing a lot of other athletes but a lot of them learn their lesson you know when things go down um you, you make your adjustments like like John Morant, come on, man! Like, <laughs> quit making, quit making. You made a really stupid decision. Luckily, you got away uh, from anything major happening, and then you just turn around and do it again. Like, how fucking dumb are these people? Sometimes I just a lot don't of money. Twenty five games he suspended with no pay. Mm -hmm. You imagine that? Yeah. He's got to make at least. Five hundred thousand a game, which would be 
you know, 82 games. He doesn't make 82 million, so he doesn't make a million a game. But I bet you he makes about 40 million a game, which means he makes 500,000 a game, which means he's probably out 12 million, 12.5 million at least, somewhere around that range. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And endorsement. We're going to get on out of here. I hope you had a nice Father's Day weekend. We did with our pops. We saw him yesterday, and that's why we're a little low on fumes. Um, long weekend for girls out there in California. I did the whole one-day trip, but honestly, all you dads out there that get down, hats off to you. And um, we can all obviously do better. So uh, I think you all can look yourself in the mirror, you know, and hopefully you're the best dad possible because you guys are leaders, you guide, you mentor, and uh, you're important to your kids. So anyway, I hope you all had, you are all surrounded by your loved ones, your kids, and uh, you all enjoyed your day. And again, this is Juneteenth, June 19th, which is a federal holiday now. So I hope you all are uh, enjoying the day off. This holiday commemorates the, I guess, the emancipation of the last of the enslaved African-Americans in our state. Uh, This happened in Texas, actually, was, you know, in the South, there was slavery. And after the Civil War and after um, President Lincoln had signed that emancipation or, yeah, the Emancipation Proclamation, I guess there was still some slavery being observed. And what we're told is that in Texas, the last of the enslaved people were finally proclaimed free. And it was on this date in 1865. And that's where this, uh, this date comes from. So anyway, a little history lesson there for you guys. Folks, we'll be back on Thursday to do our second show of the week. In the meantime, remember that you can catch us live. Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, spinning back click. In fact, we just taped it a little while ago. And you can count on our two shows here on the podcast forum, Mondays and Fridays here on MMA Junkie. For more of Goes and I, go to youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video, and you can see a lot of the interviews that us and our colleagues do. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Go out and be a champion. Take care, folks.